read today. It says that in Luke chapter 18, verse 16, Jesus called them to him and said, Permit the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. You know, the disciples, they're like many of us, if, if we're not where we you know, really understand Jesus. They say, kids start coming up and grabbing Jesus and bothering him. Hey, get away. He's got more important things to do. Jesus said, hey, you guys don't get it. These are the most important creatures on the earth. Because if you train them right, they can do great things for me. And they love me, and there's, there's, a, there's some characteristics about them that you all adults struggle with. But the kids don't. That's what Jesus was saying. He went on to say, in verse 17, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. Now there are some things about children um, that really, you know, that Jesus really loves and, and that we really need to work on being like. First thing, I'm going to get rolling here. Everybody ready? Okay. <laughs> A child trusts God completely. He, they just trust. I mean, a child trusts, and he believes what he's told. The reason I know this is I sometimes exaggerate, or sometimes kid, when kids don't know I'm kidding. And I found out that can be bad. One time, I had just hung a big elk up on my wall back there, and some little boy said, how'd you get that? I said, I killed it with my pocket knife. <laughs> well, I was just kidding, but he told his mom. <laughs> she came, and she said, hey, I want to hear that story. <laughs> And I said, well, no, I was just kind of kidding. Well, was you kidding about killing the other one with your BB gun? Yeah, I was. <laughs> so, so, but, you know, that's just goes to show, you know, they believe you. Uh, they trust you. And that's what God, God wants us to be. He wants us to be just like this. He wants us to, when we read the Bible, when we hear it preach, and when, when the, the Holy Spirit speaks to us, that we immediately believe it. Not the other little voices whistling in our heads and saying, don't believe that. He wants us to immediately believe it, that it's true. That's what God wants. He wants us to trust him that much. What we hear, we believe. When it's, of, when it's of God, when it's in the Bible, when it's the Holy Spirit, we just meet and say, gotcha. I'm going to believe. And then a number two thing is from children is that they are, is a child is innocent. They're not corrupted. They're, they're just they're born and they're innocent. You know, they still have been born into sin, but, you know, they still are innocent. And, and they lay there and they grow up. And however we influence them, the strongest, that's the way they're going to go. And in a little while, we're going to get away from the children and get into parenting, and that's where we come in. And the next thing is a child has faith in the ones they trust. Complete faith. They don't get up in the morning and have to go to the doctor because they have an ulcer because they're worried about tomorrow. Man, how am I going to eat tomorrow? Am I going to be naked tomorrow? Am I going to have a place to sleep tomorrow? No. They trust in you to take care of that. They know that you got them covered. That you're going to take care of them. You're going to feed them. You're going to clothe them. You're going to protect them. That's what we do. Parents do. You know what? God wants us to feel that way about him. He wants us to believe that he's going to take care of us tomorrow. He's going to feed us. He's going to clothe us. And he's going to protect us. He's going to have our back. And he's going to make a way of escape. Through everything the devil throws at us, he's going to give us a way of escape. The Bible promises that. We sometimes forget it. Because the devil does, he wants us to. But those are three of the things that I really think that children have that we need. I don't know about you, but I check my bank account every day. Every day. Now, I'm not talking about Linda in, in the bank. My bank account is in the gym. I walk through the gym every day just so I can hear the Brother Johnny's. 
from all the kids. I don't know if you've ever been around or not, but oh my gosh, it just makes my heart leap. Jane Ann's here. She's the teacher. She knows. I walk through, and, and uh, that's, my, that's my account. That's my bank account. That's my, that's my everything. That's my inheritance. That's my savings account. I go through there, and I hear that, and I think, man, God, thank you for this opportunity. Please help me to walk in a manner that I'll always be somebody they can look up to. Man, I love that. I've been doing that all these years, ever since I've been here, and, and I've seen some of the little kids now are in college that were four years old when I came, and they've been, and they're still close to me, because every time I see them, Brother Johnny, you love you, Brother Johnny, Brother Johnny, and I really love it when they call Brother Will Brother Johnny, that's special, but <laughs> Brother Johnny, Brother Johnny. I tell you, I don't take that for granted. Because that's a gift from God. That, that's my gift. That's my savings account. That is the most important thing to me. The other stuff's just trivial. But that's important to me. Because they're children and they're special. And that's why I'm so thankful that I am here. I remember I had this, uh, I didn't have a deal with God, but I, I knew when I came here the first time that I would know whether God wanted me to come. So Brother Will just asked us to come. Because I was pastoring a church, hadn't been there very long. I hated to leave. You know, you don't usually go there eight months and leave. You know, it might look good on your you know, look bad or something, but, you know, Brother Will called me, and I wasn't sure, you know, that I should leave, and he called, hey, just come and do a, do a children's thing for us, and I said, okay, so we came in on Saturday, and immediately Bob Butler took us around house hunting, I thought, hmm, <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, Brianna Ross was showing me where my office was, you know, I'm like, wow, but I walked in, I, 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 Saturday afternoon, I walked in here, and I, I come up down the stage, and got up here, and walked, I just want to get the feel, so I walked through the door, I knew God wanted me here. Without any doubt, I knew exactly where he wanted me to be. Yellow took a little longer because she, she was a little, uh, she said, this is big. I said, yep, it's big. Uh, but, but God immediately spoke to me. So I knew that, but then the, the, uh, the clincher was when uh, Brother Will got up to preach today. He, he preached on children. He preached on the importance of children. I thought, wow, I'm right. Him and I are the same heart on this. And I thought, wow, how would it be to work with somebody that actually you believe the same way? I'd like to try that. Because it hadn't always been that way. So I was thankful. I really was. And it's, it's proven to be that way. So, so today we're going to talk about not just kids. We're going to finish out with that again. But we're going to talk about parenting. And uh, I have three godly examples of parents. Okay, and, and the first one is a godly mother. You know how important godly mothers are. This godly mother's name was Hannah. And she was flat out amazing. Now God had not chosen to give her children in her youth. You know, when she was young. She didn't, he didn't choose to give her children in her age when she was a little past youth. 30s, 40s. He didn't choose to give her even in her 50s. But she was old. And, and her uh, husband had two wives. The other wife was having babies. And, and he was actually, she was actually mocking her and giving her a hard time. It was really awful. But you know what? She never gave up. She never quit praying. Her prayer never changed. That's the thing. The prayer doesn't need to change just because God's not answering in a hurry. Sometimes you think, well, maybe I better change my prayer. No, she kept praying the same prayer. And you know what? She came up to the, uh, there at the altar one day, and the priest was there, and she was praying so hard, and where no words were coming out. And she was into it because she was giving everything. And, and, and the priest... He said, wow, woman, why are you drinking this early in the day? Because you must be drunk the way you're acting. She said, oh, no, I've got this thing I want so bad. She didn't say what it was. She said, i got this thing I want so bad. And uh, verse 10 of chapter 1 in Samuel says, And she was so in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept. And she said a vow, O Lord, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your handmaid, and remember me, and not forget your handmaid, but to give to me your handmaid, 
the man-child, then I will give him up to you all the days of his life, and there never shall a razor touch his head. All right, I think over the years she was just praying. She finally come to the conclusion that, you know, God, if you'll give me this child, I'll give him back to you. That's how much I love you. If you'll give me this child, this man-child that I'm praying for, if you'll not forget me, she says that two or three times, if you'll not forget your handmaid, then when you bless me with his son, I'll give him back to you. And you know what? She didn't realize it, but God was working through her. The reason she was willing to give him back was that he was needed. Samuel was needed as a prophet, something terrible. Because if you read the story, you know that Eli was struggling. He was getting older. His sons were corrupt priests. And we needed, they needed a priest there so bad it would be godly. And she didn't realize it, but God was in, was in this whole thing. Well, she realized it, but she didn't know that those words she's saying that God was putting there because he needed that child to come back and be raised in the temple so he could be the most godly priest that they'd ever seen. Because he was raised there. Can you imagine? Every day. I mean, he was raised there from a child. Now, you talk about on-the-job training. He had it from his youth. And you know what? She, she did her part. She brought him, and God blessed him. And you know what? Even though there was a pain, and there was, some, there was a, a lot of struggle, and what she'd sacrificed, and her giving up her son, you know, she knew he was right there working for God. And you know what? That's the difference in you know, wanting our kids to be good and, and, and wanting our kids to be godly, and then making the next step to wanting our kids to be used by God. When you start praying that prayer, you better be ready for sacrifice, because that's what it takes. I remember uh, when my two older girls were growing up, I, I really wanted them to go to the Bible college, because I wanted them to, be, to, to uh, marry Christian men and, and be used by God. And I knew, just as soon as they went to Nashville and went to college, that it'd be, bye-bye, Dad, I don't, I'm not going to live around you anymore. I knew that. But I was willing for that, because I wanted them to be used by God and marry godly men. The most important thing in the world was in the marry somebody, godly man that God would use. And I just prayed from an early age, their early age, God. And, and then what, I took them to the Bible college on welcome days. I talked about it some whenever uh, the college would come through and they need somebody to keep kids. I always kept girls so my girls would see them and see what they did and just kind of get fired up. And then I quit talking about it when they were about sophomores or juniors because I knew they'd have to make up their own mind. Well, Sarah got this scholarship from Tech. And she was, it was great, and she was all fired up about that. And then all of a sudden, the last minute, she says, Dad, God's calling me to the Bible college. And I'm saying, yes. <laughs> That's the plan. She just didn't know that God was going to tell her. But, I mean, God had spoke to me. And, 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 you know, I wanted that above everything else. And, you know, she lives a 1,000 miles or more away. She lives in Tampa. She teaches school at a Christian school. Very proud of her. Wonderful teacher. And God's using her there. And I'm so proud of her, because she made that decision herself. Then Holly comes along, and she's, she's got straight A's. She's a genius, and you know she's going to get all kinds of scholarships anywhere she wants to go. And she tells me the last minute, I'm going to go to the Bible college. And once again, yes. Even though I know that you know, the cost is there, and you're going to have to work, you know, they were up to that. Um, and we're really trying to figure out how this is all going to work, because you know, you know, uh, trying to figure out finances and stuff, you don't get... A whole lot of help when you go there. And we had this family friend that uh, called us up, called Sarah up, and said, Guess what, Sarah? And she said, What? And said, We're going to pay for your college. So they paid every dime of it all those years. Holly gets bigger and thinking, Please, please, please do it again. And <laughs> they called up Holly and said, Guess what? We're going to pay for your college. Uh, wonderful, wonderful thing. And godly people that 
just did that. And that's, he, God took care of it all. I'm so thankful for that. But sometimes, you know, sometimes there's sacrifice with that, you know, when we pray. But my, my challenge to you today is to be like Hannah and start praying now, if you haven't already, use my kids, God, no matter what. We thought Holly was going to be a missionary. God was kind of leading her. She went to Japan for a couple months, and I really thought that Holly was going to live in another country. Uh, but it, that's not the direction that he went with her. He, she works at, she's an oncology nurse with cancer children in, in, at uh, Vanderbilt in Nashville, and she's tremendous at it. She deals with dying children every day. That takes a special person. And I'm glad that Holly's strong enough to do that. When Holly was little, we always called her Jolly Holly because she was always so happy. And about five years ago, she came to see us, and, and, uh, and uh, we, we opened the door and in ran her little white dog, and he's jumping around, and I noticed something was different. He come and jumped in my lap, or she did, and I looked on, and she had this white shirt. You know what it said? I'm the big sister. I said, Holly, being the genius that I am, Holly, does this mean what I think? And she said, yep. And I was so thrilled. Another grandchild. This was five years ago. Over five years. And I said, hey, can I mention it tomorrow in church? She said, Dad, it's pretty early yet. You better wait. I said, okay. So she knows how excited I was. And that morning she said, okay, Dad, go ahead. You can tell them. So I did. And just a few days later, for whatever reason, God's reason, uh, she lost a baby. And that one was, uh, wasn't able to be born. And, and, and she went you know, through all the depression that you go through. But it really hit her heart. She wanted to be a mother so bad. She waited. She wanted to get her... Uh, Schooling done, wanted to get her job going, wanted to get everything. She had it all planned. Holly was always a planner, kind of like Callie. She plans everything out. I don't know if she makes lists like you, Callie, but she planned everything out, and she had that, and she was ready at that time to have a child, and, and she lost it, and it just devastated her. So they, uh, they tried for a couple more years, and all of a sudden they, realized, they go to the doctor because nothing's happening, and he says, we got some problems, Holly. And she said, there's some things wrong with you. And he said, I think the only, and, and they tried the, uh, certain drugs that they do, that didn't work, and, they said, the only thing that might work is in vitro. It costs a lot of money, a lot of money. And so she started saving, and, and uh, she got the money up, and, and she was all excited. And, and uh, Sarah flew in from Florida to go uh, to be with her, and, and they did the process. The doctor said, hey, this looks good. We're going to put several eggs in. And he said, we're just sure. You might even get triplets. He said, this is looking really good. Well, it didn't work. And Holly was absolutely devastated. And I'm going to tell you, she sunk into a place that was a dark place. And it really scared me because she was such always a jolly person. And I'd call her up and it'd be like I'm not even my Holly anymore. And one day when I was trying to talk to her on the phone, she said, Dad, I'm not myself anymore. She said, I don't like who I am. But she said, it's everything I can do to get through one day, uh, one day to the next, one foot in front of the other. So we started praying so hard. And, and, it, and, and people started telling her, even her sister, even me, Holly, why don't you just adopt? You know, why don't you just adopt? You know, they, they put that child in your arms. It's going to be yours. Oh, she, I, I want my child. So here, about a year later, she says, I'm going to try the in vitro again. So what do they got to do? They got to start saving money again. Every dime, just hoarding it up. And then the, the second time, Sarah flies back to Florida, goes in with her. The doctor says, hey, it's looking real good. We found some things wrong the first time. We've corrected it. And guess what? It worked. Now we got a six-week-old, jolly little baby. Reminds me so much of Holly, I can't hardly stand it. But you know what? When I, when I held that little baby in the first time, when I was there when she was born, I whispered in her ear, I said, you're here, you little Lucy, because your mama loves you. And your mama wouldn't quit. She wouldn't, she wouldn't stop. See, that's the heart that Hannah had. Hannah says, no matter what, I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep praying this prayer. Now, if there's something in your life that you've been praying about,
praying, you need to keep praying. It takes a while sometimes. Don't need to change the prayer. You just need to pray hard. You know, she was willing, whatever it took. I'm so thankful for that. The next godly example is the godly father, and that's one of the best examples in the whole Bible is Abraham. You know, Abraham was told, you're going to be the father of the nation. You're going to have so many children. You're going to have so many children's descendants, you won't be able to count them. You look up at the stars. You see all those stars? That represents your descendants. You know, if I was Abraham, I would go home and start getting the baby bed ready. Start building the crib. Because nine months from now, we're having a baby. Now, not so much. Didn't work that way. Went on years, years, years. Still nothing. God shows up again and says, Hey, Abraham, you're going to have more kids than the sands of the sea. Really? Hmm. Then one day, finally, he does have a child. He does have a son. And then one day, God says this very strange thing. He says, Abraham, take your son, your one and only son, the son that you love. That's God's words. Your one and only son, the son that you love. Take him to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him there back to me. Now, there are, there are many places in the Bible where people are told things by God where they argue with God or they ask God questions. You know, lots of them. You know, Moses said, I'm not a good speaker. Jonah ran away the other way. There are a lot of people that did. Apparently, Abraham didn't, because I think if he did, it would have been in there. He said, okay. Speak, Lord, your servant, listen, here I am. And so he, you know, the next morning he gets up and he takes his little boy and two servants and they take off. And it's a a two or three day journey. They get there and they see the mountain. They tell the two guys, they say, uh, they're holding the donkey. They say, you stay here. And I love this. We'll be back. He knows why he's going there. He knows he's going to kill his son and offer him a sacrifice, but he also expects a miracle and knows that God will provide something, some kind of miracle, that he will come back with his son. Whether he rises him from the dead or whatever God can do, because you've got to remember, God can do anything. Just because you can't imagine it don't mean he can't do it. He can do anything. And Abraham was getting that. That's the kind of godly father he was. Not only was he willing to love God more than his son, he was willing to trust God, even though his mind could not comprehend what it would take for him to, to get his son back. He didn't have a clue. But he loved God so much that he took him up there, and his, his son is watching. And as he gets the sticks out, and you carry the sticks, and I'll get the knife, and here's the spark for the fire. And walking up the hill, and he says, Dad! Where's the lamb? You know, you got the fire, and you got the, I got the sticks, you got the knife. Where in the world is the lamb? He said, God will provide a lamb. Okay. So they get to the top, and it says that he takes these rocks, and he places them just right. He takes his son, and he binds him up. The Bible doesn't say he was kicking and screaming. It said he just took his son, bound him up, laid him on the altar, grabbed his knife, and started to come down. The angel grabbed his arm and said, don't touch a hair on his head. I just needed to know that you loved me that much. And he did. And you know what, what, what a, a great example we get here. That if we love God more than anything, how God will bless us. And not only bless us, but bless our children. And he did. That's exactly what happened. Now our, our third example is Mary, mother of Jesus. Man, oh man. You know, she got, a, she got a greeting like no other person ever in the world did. He said, Mary, you are most favored among women. Yeah, it's better than winning the beauty contest. You were most favored among women. Well, the first thing she says, well, I don't quite understand that. 
I don't understand your salutation or your greeting. He goes on to say, hey, God has checked you out. Your, your heart is good, and I've chosen you to be the mother of Jesus. And you know what very special thing happened next that nobody's ever, ever heard before? He goes on to tell her what her, what her son would do. Now, when we have little children, we only imagine what they'll do. We only dream what they'll do. We only hope and pray what they'll do. They'll do great things. They'll be godly. They'll do these things. This angel said, he will do this. He will do that. And he will lead his people. And he will sit on the throne. And she says, wow. And the NIV version, or one of the versions says, may everything you say come true. Don't you love that? May everything you say come true. So Jesus was born when he was, when he was, uh, when, when they took him to the temple to, to dedicate him. There was this old man walks up, his name is Simeon. He grabs Jesus out of her arms and he lifts him up in the air and he says, you can take me to heaven now, God. I just wanted to live long enough to see the Savior and now I have. So he brings him back down, he puts him back in the arms of Mary. And do you know what he said? He said, a very sword will pierce your soul. But he will do wonderful things for the, for the children of God. He will give them salvation. He will lead them to heaven. He'll, be a, he'll make a way for them to go to heaven, but a sword will pierce your soul. And the Bible says that she never forgot those words. And of course, we know when the sword pierced her soul, don't we? When she stood at the cross of Calvary and watched her son die. She loved God that much. And she said, okay. May everything you say come true. Use my son. Use him the way you see fit, God. That's the example of godly parents. The next example is of a godly father is, of course, Jesus Christ, or a God, the father of Jesus Christ. Now, one thing I wanted to tell you, getting back to the children just a little bit, um, when, when we preached down at uh, Feed the Homeless this week, this is really a great story. We, uh, I got done preaching, and I walked over, and I was feeling really good because I've never felt so close to God, and, and I never felt that I was doing just what he wanted. It was a great peace that came on me while I was preaching. And um, this guy walks up to me, and you could tell he was a challenged guy. He was probably in his 30s, and he was walking kind of strange, you know, like this, and walking kind of different. He walked up to me, and he said, Are you a preacher? And I said, yes. And he said, uh, will you pray with me? And I said, yes. And, and he looked at me with these eyes, that I just, just like a child. And, and that's what you would have thought you were looking at was a child. And he said, I just want to go home. Oh, it just, it just got me. And I said, where's home? Indiana. That's my home, where I used to live. And I'm thinking, Wow. So I prayed with him, and, and he walked off, and I'm still kind of in shock. And, and I realized a little later that, well, after I got home, it hit me. You just did it again. You messed up. You know, I, I, I tell my boys and girls back there, I said, you've got to always be waiting for God to use you. There's going to be these times that it's going to be very apparent that he wants you to do something. And I got home and said, I did it again. So I started praying, okay, God, I get it. Just allow me to find him. Don't let him be off. Somebody hurt him, because this guy was scared to death. 
Don't let anybody hurt him. Just keep him protected until I can get back there. So I, I got a hold of Dave, and I said, Dave, will you go down with me? He said, yeah, I'll go with you. So I prayed the whole way down there. I said, God, please let us find him. I remember exactly what he looked like because he had that kind of impact on me. And I never felt such a great relief as I walked in up these stairs in this very dingy building. I looked through this window, and guess what? There he was. My heart leaped, and I said, yes, thank you, God, for giving me one more chance to do what I was supposed to do. I can't tell you how great I felt. Dave even felt, and he hadn't done anything wrong. <laughs> so we go over, and we talk to the lady that was in charge and kind of told her what I wanted to do. She said, oh, my gosh, it'd be so wonderful. He's truly legitimate. You need, he is wanting to go home. That's all he talks about. He's scared to death. If you could get him home, that'd be wonderful. So I said, so one of the director, they got a new, really great director down there, and his name was John. I talked to him, and he said, oh, my gosh. He said, I told him yesterday, God will provide a way. And I had no idea who it would be from. Isn't that something? God will provide a way for you to go home, Eric. You just keep asking him. Well, he'd been over to the bus station several times, finding out how much it cost to get home. He didn't have any money. The guy said, when I went to buy the tickets. Uh, he told me, he said, yeah, he's been over here a bunch of times. So we bring... We bring Eric in, and, and I said, Eric, you remember me? He said, oh, yeah, I remember you. And I said, remember what you told me? He said, yeah, I just want to go home. And I said, well, God's been speaking to me, Eric, and, and he wants you to go home. And We're going to go across the street right now. We're going to buy you a bus ticket. We're going to put you on the bus and send you home. And he said, oh, gosh. You know, he's so happy. So we went, left. Dave and I went over and got the bus ticket, and we were a little concerned because he had to make like three or four changes. But, so we were going to be you know, just really praying. We bring him back in and say, hey, here's your ticket. Dave gives him the ticket. Here's your ticket. But I said, Eric, I, I want you to know that God is the one sending you home. It's, it's God. It's, you know, we went over and we bought the tickets, but God instructed us. God moved through us. God empowered our church to have the money to buy this ticket. And you are going home because of God. I want you to know that. I said, I want you to realize that God loves you. That God loves you so much. That he's taking care of your needs. And he's sending you home. And when you get home, you need to find a church. You need to praise God for that. And you need to make sure you understand that God loves you so much. Well, that next day, he got on the, he got on the bus at 10 minutes till 7. And, and Dave and I were just praying all day. And, and, and so was John downtown. And, and, and I got a call the next morning. He said, he made it. He made it home. And that was a miracle because all those changes. And he's you know, not real good at that. But we're so thankful that he made it. He said he's with his family. So that's so important. You know, well, when I looked at those eyes, I knew that I was just looking into the eye of a child. And you know how Jesus loves them so much. Now, God loved us so much in John three sixteen that he talks about, I love you so much, I'll give you my son, I'll give you my son. And then I'll watch him die for you. And that's what he did. He loves us so much. What, what kind of father do we have? Even if we have no earthly father, even if we don't have the right kind of earthly father, we've always got the example that our father truly loves us and we're always children of God, no matter how old you are. We have some people in our church that are over 90. They're still God's children. He created them. He made them. He takes care of them. He loves them and he's their father. So we are always got to remember, I have a father who loves me. It might just be the one in heaven, but he loves me. He's taking care of me. He provided a way for me to have eternal peace, eternal in heaven. Is that important? Yeah. Is that great? Yeah. I tell you what, we should be excited about that. We are not excited about anything else in the world. We all be excited that our Father loved us enough to provide a way that we don't have to go to hell. That we can live eternally with him. 
And then when I say goodbye to my mom, that I'll see her again. I'm so excited about that. And you need to be too. Because it's a great thing. Sometimes we sit around and we forget what our Father did for us. Our Heavenly Father. You need to be fired up about that. You need to be excited. I preached downtown, like I said, and, and, and my message was real simple. I just said, today, my, or the day my life was changed. And I preached about the woman caught in adultery. And I preached about how they brought her, how they threw her down at the feet of Jesus. And how they said, Moses says that she should be stoned. What do you say? And, and I told him that, you know, Mary looked and she saw this, this, this look on these people's face that hated her, wanted to kill her. Saw the rocks in their hand. Saw the anger in their hearts. Knew that she was about to die. And I looked out at the people that I was preaching to. And there was 200 and some of them. And you know what? They had all kinds of problems. Just tons and tons of problems. But you know what I told them? I said, there's not a one of you that has her problems. You don't have a death sentence hanging over your head. You're not about to be killed. You still have hope. As bad as you think you got it, there's still hope. There was still hope for her, but she didn't know it. She was expecting any second to get that terrible pain to start killing her with rocks. Can you imagine how terrible a death that would be? And she's about to get that, and all of a sudden, they said, what do you say? Jesus kneels down and starts writing in the dirt. Nobody knows what he was doing, and they thought he was ignoring him and said, Hey, what do you say? Jesus stands back up, and he looks at all of them. He says, Okay, you among you, all, those among you that have no sin, throw the first stone. Quiet came over the crowd. Pretty soon this young lady heard, a, heard some noise or sound that were tremendous. And I asked the people in the crowd, I said, you know what the sound was? Some guy went in the back and said, she heard the rocks falling. I said, yep, that's what it was. Thump, thump, thump as the rocks hit the ground. And, you know, she's all hunkered down there knowing she's about to be killed. And she starts finally staring out, peeking a little bit and seeing the rocks hitting the ground. What's happening? Am I going to get another chance? Is God going to... Is something going to happen because of this man that I will get another chance? And all of a sudden, they're gone. Jesus turns around. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, I have none. And he said these wonderful words. He said, neither do I accuse you. Go sin no more. Amen. And that was the day her life was changed. And I looked out into the eyes of these people. And I'm kidding. I'm not kidding you. I preached down there several times. I've never seen them be attentive like this. I've never seen their faces look like this because in their eyes, I've seen eyes of hope. Honestly, I'm not kidding. I've seen hope come back in their lives. Right as I was watching, I've seen it. And that, that's the piece I talked about. That's the piece that I got. I thought, whoa, they got it. Now, I had a couple talk to me, but, and I wasn't expecting a big altar call or anything because that's not the way it works usually and things like that. They have to just think about this. Think about, could he change my life today like he did hers? And I, I'm telling you, that's what, that's what I want us to get out of this whole message is not just that we need to change our hearts that we can go to heaven, that we can change our hearts that God can use us to his fullest intention. Don't you want to be used for what God created you to be? Now, he's got a plan. And the only one that's standing between you, him and the plan is you. And maybe, maybe, you're, say, maybe you're good and you're doing just what you feel like you should. But there might be something here today to say, hey, you know what? I need to pray harder for my children. 
that God will use them in their life. I tell you what, that's a wonderful prayer. I teach the kids in the back, I said, you know, whenever you do your little prayer, now I lay me down to sleep or whatever you do, add these words and your life will never be the same. Guide my path every day, Lord. Guide my path. Take me in the direction you want me to go. Very simple. Add that and your life will change. Because if you ask God to guide your path, he will. If you ask God to guide your path, it'll be the right path and it'll be the path that'll be pleasing to him and you'll have a tremendous life. That's all it takes. Maybe today there's some that like to pray, you know, that just help us to teach our children more uh, how to be closer to you, God. There might be some people today that says, God, I know you want to work through me. God, help me to get past those things that I have to get past. And there are things you have to get past. Just like these three examples, they had to give up things to put God first, but they did. The four things that these people did, these, these three godly examples, the first thing they did, they loved God with all their heart. They proved that. Every one of them proved that. All three. And what you're doing in your life proves it also. Might not, nobody might not notice but God, but he does. He notices if you got him first. The second thing they did, did they softened their heart so God can mold it into what he wanted. Now, sinners have hard hearts. And until they soften it, until they give it in to Jesus, they can't be used. But once they get saved, once they give Jesus their heart, he can mold their heart, he can turn them into what he wants, and that's what you've got to do. You've got to soften your heart. That's the number two thing these people did, these three examples. And the third thing you've got to do, trust his leadership and direction no matter where it goes. He wants you to put him first above anybody else in your life. If you can love God more than you love your wife, love God more than you love your children, then you'll love all of them more too. Because God will give you more love to give as we stand in the music.